We're celebrating the things we love about this church today. We are celebrating the fact that we are this church and we make it possible. And so I'm so grateful to see all of you here today. And I welcome those of you who are joining us online. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I am the Reverend Aaron Walter, part of your interim ministry team, your minister for joy and justice. And today I celebrate that my colleague on the interim ministry team, the Reverend John Alou Johnstone, has officially started. Reverend John Alou, we are so, so happy that you are officially part of the team now. Yesterday was October 1st. So <laughs> I want to tell you that also I was supposed to be co-leading this celebration today with Reverend Chris Jimerson, and I absolutely still do that in spirit. Chris and the team and I plan this service together today. But today, Chris is modeling for us one of the mantras we talked about in a previous service, which was, I will give myself the same grace I give others. And Chris is homesick today, taking care of himself. And you know he hates to miss this. You know it. So let's just send our love. We're beaming it out to you, Chris. We love you. Thank you. Thank you for taking care of yourself and for showing us that. Today, I especially want to welcome you if you are new to this church. Here at First Unitarian Universalist, we come from a long tradition of seeing the spark of the divine in every person. So in that tradition, I invite you now to greet the holy among us. That's you. Turn to your friends and new friends and welcome each other today. Please say with me the words for which we use to light our chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. And this is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Our call to worship this morning was written by Reverend Howard Thurman, a black author, philosopher, educator, civil rights leader, and theologian, who was often referred to as the preacher's preacher. He founded the Church for the Fellowship of All Peoples, which many describe as the first church in this country to openly seek members from all religious faith and all ethnic backgrounds. The Reverend Thurman wrote, Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive. And then go and do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. In this church, we affirm our mission together every Sunday that we wrote together that is ours to live into and to show the world to let our light shine in this way. Will you read it with me? Together... We nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice 
to build the beloved community. In our services, we take a few minutes for a piece of the learning and the reflection that is on the road to beloved community. And what has been on my heart this week, September 30th, is recognized as the National Day of Remembrance for American Indian and Canadian Indian boarding schools. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Our church is called First Unitarian Universalist, but we know we are not the first here. We are not the first stewards of this land and this place. One of our Unitarian Universalist siblings here in Austin, Sky Howell of the Potawatomi and Ottawa Tribal Nations, a longtime member at Wildflower, has invited us all, even though it's Not September 30th anymore. That is a day that begins us thinking and learning and recommitting to our understanding about those boarding schools and the legacy. So on that day, we honored the victims and survivors of U.S. Indian boarding schools, recognized the ongoing trauma of them. In the United States, 367 Indian boarding schools existed and were operational between 1860 and 1978. According to the National Native American Boarding School Healing Coalition, by 1926, more than 80% of indigenous school-aged children were attending these boarding schools run by the federal government or religious organizations. Now, as Unitarian Universalists, we often like to think of ourselves as a part from many other religions, but we come from that origin. Um, And so we share our role in responsibility and healing as well. Indian boarding schools profoundly harm the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health of indigenous people, creating a legacy of chronic trauma and unresolved grief that was passed down through generations. There is a project going on in Minnesota that we might learn from. And I'm going to have some articles in my office for you in the interim ministry office. Um, If you would like to talk more, read more, and go deeper about this with me or with each other. The project is with Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota and a Racial Equity Action Committee for Health. Because they've recognized that the impact of this trauma affects people's health even today. It affects members of our Unitarian Universalist communities today. With our children here today, I have an ask of you. And with our teachers, now that it's October, I start to to worry and think about what are we going to learn in schools about the season we call Thanksgiving. So now is a good time for teachers and students and all of us parents to be engaging with what we are going to be teaching around that time. Your Texas UU Justice Ministry, of which you are a part, is a member of a coalition called Teach the Truth, which is working to get our State Board of Education to teach the truth about history in our state, in our world. And so I invite you to engage about what is the curriculum this time of year. And are we teaching about the fact that the folks that are sometimes characterized as from before 
are here and are part of our communities. There was a celebration at the Bullock History Museum on Friday for this Day of Remembrance. And there are wonderful resources on the Bullock website and on Great Promise for American Indians, an organization that is local, and our UU friend Sky Howell is on their board. So I'm just going to invite you to um, take in with me just a minute and a half of a story of one person sharing the ways that American Indian, indigenous, native people are still here and healing and telling their own stories, even in spite of these schools that tried to end their culture. Whatever is in you, whatever you're feeling and thinking is what's gonna go into the beadwork. That's kind of how you pick the design is you want something that's going to fit them. So when they're out dancing, they have that energy with them, too. My name is Miranda Nachche Meyer, and I work out at the Tonkawa Tribe of Oklahoma, and I do traditional beading. The beads are a lot more uniform. We have nylon thread, but the different patterns that we do in the beadwork tells a story about who we are as Tonkawas. Some of the designs in our traditional beadwork, like a cradle or a baby, one represents like a mountain, the La Tortuga, where we were actually found as a people. It's a lot of fun to teach it to kids. Keeping that alive so that they can teach the next seven generations is what makes us a tribe of people. It helps create awareness that we are still here. Say to you that I find that in these moments of beloved community is when my voice shakes the most in the pulpit. And it's because I'm aware that these few minutes are not nearly enough, but it's the beginning of a chance for us to think about something really important. And I hope to continue these conversations together. Thank you. Our centering reading this morning is a statement by the Reverend Thurman and quoted in Mark Morrison Reed's Black Pioneers. It was my conviction and determination that the church would be a resource for activists, a mission fundamentally perceived to me, it was important that individuals who were in the thick of the struggle for social change would be able to find renewal and fresh courage in the spiritual resources of the church. I invite you into a time of prayer, meditation, connecting with the great mystery God as you know God, or the truth that is in your body. Shall we breathe together? Spirit of life and love, I give thanks for this day. I ask your love to surround this community and the world where people are struggling in the wake of natural disaster, climate struggles that have been made by us, by capitalism, by greed. 
I ask your support, your grace to be with those who are doing the liberating work of generational healing, those who are struggling with suicidal ideation, job loss, chronic illness, loneliness. May we be able to talk about those things with each other here and live out the holy in the ways we are supporting one another. God, may we also lift up our joys, our gifts, our blessings, our abundance. May we know that we are enough and that we have enough, not in a false prosperity gospel kind of way that reinforces what's wrong in the world, but in a way that lets us know that we are the change that we need to be. Amen. Ashe, blessed be. In this time, I invite you to breathe as you feel you need to breathe. Light a candle if you feel called to light a candle. And sit in peace if that is what you need. The sounds of children, the sounds of this community also qualify as peace.
Just a moment. First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin Popsicle Hotline. Good morning. Wonderful. I have popsicles right here. Would you just wave? Where are you? And I'll bring it right to you. Okay. I'm so sorry that I don't have popsicles enough for everyone, but we are having a party after church and there's going to be a lot, a lot of treats. I'm trusting your discretion about what's happening with these popsicles now, and I'm going to tell you about the why. Dan Heath is a senior fellow at Duke University and the co-author of a book called The Power of Moments, Why Certain Experiences Have Extraordinary Impact. He says, if you drive down the road for five miles and there are no potholes, you're not giddy about that. That's what you expected. But if you want to make people happy, if you want to make people loyal and committed, if you want to have people talking about what's happening, you have to go beyond that. And so he gives the example of Los Angeles, California's Magic Castle Hotel. I don't know if you've heard about it, but he says it's not magical looking. It barely even looks like a hotel. It's an apartment complex built in the 1950s. Everything is quite average. The pool, the rooms, the lobby is really below average, he says. Kind of like waiting in a doctor's office or a place you'd go to get your car's oil changed. But... Depending on when you look, this hotel has been ranked number two or number four best hotel in all of fancy, fancy Los Angeles, which includes Beverly Hills, y'all, because the Popsicle Hotline. There is a red phone, and you pick it up, and the Popsicle folks, the Popsicle concierge, brings you the Popsicle anytime. This is about making life more memorable, about breaking the script and creating moments of elevation, is what Dan Heath says. I like that, moments of elevation. That feels almost spiritual to me. Moments of uplift is how I would say it in church. Moments of the spirit. And he shares a quote from a book called Surprise that says, We feel most comfortable when things are certain. But we feel most alive when they're not. He says the moral of the story is if you want to feel more alive, push yourself beyond the zone of certainty. Here is the great black liberation theologian Howard Thurman. Again, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Amen? Okay. Now, I I memorized that quote when it came into my life about 10 years ago. It just, I love it so much. But Chris suggested it. And so when Chris suggested it, I got especially excited about this service. It's incredible to be a part of a team of people who are thinking and feeling and being about what it is to come alive. But I also want us to consider the audience If Howard Thurman was preaching to black folks in his time, 
Coming alive means something a little different than maybe it does for me as a white woman in this church. And so I also invite myself and I share with you that I like to think about what does it mean for me to listen to what the world needs? Because I don't think this quote is telling us not to consider others at all to only think about what makes us come alive. If I only think about what makes me come alive, we're only doing Zumba in church every Sunday. (laughs) And I mean, I love Zumba, but I want you all to get what you need too. And so I just want to invite us as we take in the elements of worship into our hearts and souls to think about who's speaking, who they were speaking to, how does it relate to us and who we are and how we might relate. But I do think that Thurman's message is essential and true for all of us, that we need to come alive. And so we've been thinking and talking about the things that we love about this church, and that's what we're celebrating this Sunday, as many of us, the members and friends of this church, commit to our pledges for the year ahead so that we know how to plan, we know what our resources are. And I'd like to invite you to take some quiet moments now. We got to hear from a lot of people over the last few months, and we'll hear from more over time about individual stories of the church. But I want to invite each one of you to think about what is something in this church that helps you come alive? Okay? That's your question. We're going to think about it, and then we're going to share. When you're ready and your neighbor looks ready, I invite you to turn to them and each share what is something from this church that helps you come alive. I invite you to continue these conversations during our party after church, but can I get a few folks to be brave and just shout out what's something that makes you come alive at church? I heard popsicles, I heard choir, I heard coffee. What else? Oh, man. This is, we're so, if you can see online, we're just thriving and bursting with positive energy this morning. I can't even hear all the answers. Tell me in the receiving line as we go through, okay? And then talk to your friends. What that tells me, though, is we have a lot of people here who boldly are willing to shout out what they love about the church, and I love that about you. Okay. That's the delight piece, right? That's the novelty. But what we also know about spiritual community is that it's so much deeper than that. It's about ritual. It's about being there for each other, year in and year out. This is a book that we ministers often draw upon, Spiritual Literacy, Reading the Sacred in Everyday Life, and it's very thick. But there's nothing in here about novelty or surprises. It's about ritual. But it is about joy. And so we can find the ways that those things intersect together. And if you ever want to take a peek at this book, again, it's in the interim ministry office. So one thing that I did this week to think about Celebration Sunday and to think about sort of the combination of surprises and delight and the depth of ritual and spirit that church is, is I talked to one of the people that I have known the longest in this church, Maxine Barkin. Maxine Barkin celebrated her 100-year birthday in this church right before the pandemic. 
which blew my mind to think about because Maxine is now 103. (laughs) Maxine was my surprise pal when I was a kid at First UU. Back then, we called it Secret Friends. Surprise pal feels like a better name. Language evolves, and that is a good thing. But I cherished getting to know Maxine as a child, and I cherished getting to talk to her yesterday. She lives in an assisted living now in Williamson County. She said Ron Turner brings her treats sometimes. That's somebody from this church. She said she welcomes your visits and calls those of you who know her. And I asked her, what is a memory about this church that she cherishes? And I almost cried listening to her talk about this. She said, when we built the new sanctuary, which is this before it became bigger and what we're we're funding now is this expansion. But in the 80s, when we built the new sanctuary, um, because when Maxine and I were here 40 years ago together, the sanctuary was in House and Hall. The church has been growing But she said on Christmas Eve, the very first Christmas Eve that we had service in the new sanctuary, the church members gathered in House and Hall, lit the candles that they would use, we would use every Christmas Eve for our carol service. And the sanctuary wasn't quite finished yet. It didn't have any pews or chairs. the, The floors were still concrete, but they started in House and Hall. Were some of you there? Who was there? Do you remember? No? Maybe this will jog your memory, because I think I must have been there, but I don't remember. And she said, they sang Christmas carols by candlelight, moving from House and Hall to the sanctuary. She said, Silent Night was the one that broke us all up, all of us in tears. And she was very clear, tears of thankfulness not sadness. She said it was such a joy for all of us. It was a welcoming the new. She said it was also stressful because I was president at the time. (laughs) She said the church had had its share of setbacks. The original building had been built on the cheap because the church didn't have any money and they did the best they could. And so building on something that had been done on the cheap caused its own problems. She said, tell everybody I miss them. The people that I knew so well, I hope they remember me. I told her we do. And around now, Reverend Chris Jimerson would come up and tell you a bit more of his thoughts and feelings about the next chapter. And I told him, don't worry about it. Because we've been talking about this week in and week out. And you know what Reverend Chris's vision for this church is. You feel it with him every week, every day. If you're not watching his weekly videos that he sends out where he answers your questions, continuing from Question Box Sunday, I really encourage you to watch those videos and hear from him. But I know that he was going to talk about the second Howard Thurman quote that we had today. Thurman said, it was my conviction and determination that the church would be a resource for activists, a mission fundamentally perceived. To me, it was important that individuals who were in the thick of the struggle for social change would be able to find renewal and fresh courage in the spiritual resources of the church. 
And so that is what we are going for as we make our commitments to this church for the year and the years ahead. That question Kelly read to you, how can we make that happen? And Brent gathered for us some of First UU's accomplishments in conversation with the staff. And he said to me this morning, these are to remember that we've done good things, we're doing good things, and we're going to do more good things. And I loved the way you put that, so thank you. Some of the things that we are celebrating in this church this morning are being a sanctuary church and being part of the Austin Sanctuary Network hosting Black Lives Matter and PFLAG and trans groups. And I'll say, when I was a teenager, I remember we had Austin's first gay prom, is what it was called. We were very proud of that, too. Um, Testimonials at important events. Um, Your ministers and members of this church go out and be representatives of our faith out in the public sphere. I'll be speaking... I think it's this week, but time has lost all meaning, at a, an event at UT for reproductive justice, among other examples. Our social justice initiatives like Freeze Nights, the arts in the church, the music. The gallery, paradox, players, concerts, yes. Your membership in the Texas UU Justice Ministry, your social justice and service committees, the benefits that you do, Drive Us Senior, 12 organizations that benefit from our collection every year. And then the last thing I want to talk about before we get into the logistics of the celebration, there's a note on here, the last one on the list, understaffed but still somehow kicking much ass. This is true, but we don't want to have to do it that way. Please, please. There is a cost to that. This morning I saw Shannon and we were running around and she was proudly showing everybody that she has a mobile work cart now so she can be five places at once. And I said, we are working on the Beyonce scale here of productivity, doing the most but it's not supposed to be that way. And Beyonce has a lot of money and a lot of people, okay? So we have a lot of people. And today we're going to commit to what our money can do. And one of the pieces is staffing, I have to tell you. It's just not sustainable to do it in a way where we don't have enough folks. And the truth is we've been through a lot, right? We are grieving Cami. Um, who worked here and recently passed away. And I love the sign in the kitchen um, that says, Rest in Power, Cammie. But we need, we need more to do the things that we are all trying to live into together. And so I'm going to read to you what Liz Nielsen, who called me for the popsicle, had to say. Liz is the head of stewardship, your volunteer stewardship team. You deserve all the popsicles, Liz. Um, And so this is what Liz wrote to you. Liz said, the past two and a half years have been hard, and First UU has survived. Thanks to the generosity of our community and significant help from federal programs and bequests. For First UU to stay strong in the future, we will need all those who consider First UU their spiritual home to pledge extra generously this year. Our 
2023 pledge goal of $850,000 is 35% more than we raised in 2022. This increase replaces funding that won't be available next year. We need existing pledgers to dig deep, and we need those of us who have not yet pledged to pledge for the first time. I know talking about money isn't always comfortable, but it is deeply spiritual to me. It is a way that we mark our time, that we put forth our effort and our love and our commitment. Liz says, I am asking you to raise your pledge. Liz says she is doubling her pledge, and she knows many church members and friends are doing the same. Even if you can't double it, she asks you to commit, and I ask you, as someone who has loved and benefited from this church my whole life, to please give as generously as you can. We know that that looks different for everyone. We know. But we promise you that we will live our mission for our community and beyond with your generous gifts. No one can do everything, as Kelly read, but everyone can do something. Please say with me the words we use to extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. This little light of mine, you could sing. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let's party.